Yesterday afternoon, I got one of these emails. I subscribed to a mailing list for Bishop Robert Barron. And so in his email that came out yesterday, they sent a little video clip, a five-minute clip, about a project that he's working on called Pivotal Players. It's the second or third part of this series he's working on, and they've been filming for the past week or so, and one of the figures that he wanted to highlight was uh, Archbishop, maybe some of you know, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Known because he won an Emmy. He was on television, Life is Worth Living, uh, many years ago. And as he was spotlighting Archbishop Sheen, he made a comment that I've heard Bishop Barron make many times, but he always says that Bishop Sheen, in one hand, preached with the Bible, but in the other, had the newspaper. Really, to preach on faith and its interaction with our daily lives, with what is going on in the world. And so yesterday I got up to the Ambo and Rosaire. I had just listened to the first reading and I had prepared remarks I was going to make, but after listening to the first reading, I thought, well, I need to change the homily. And so then I preached differently. Uh, and it was all because of the first reading that we heard today, the very opening words of that first reading comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. And sometimes it seems that as the prophet, we hear these prophets who prophesied many years ago, thousands of years ago. They spoke in a particular time. They were addressing certain things for their time. But yet here we are in 2018 and we're reading those prophecies of the prophet Jeremiah. And it's almost as if his words are still true to this very day. The prophet Jeremiah says, Woe to the shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock of my pasture. Therefore, thus says the Lord, You have scattered my sheep and driven them away. You have not cared for them, but I will take care to punish your evil deeds. You might think that the homily is going in a very doom and gloom direction, very dark direction, but Actually, I think these words, even though they're given to the shepherds who are leading people astray, I think they can be a words of hope. I don't think maybe, I think maybe some of you know of some news that has been happening in the American Catholic Church for about a month now. Maybe you've seen it on the internet or you've watched it, heard about it on Fox News or CNN, or maybe this week in the New York Times kind of in a Boston Globe spotlight special, the New York Times this past week has been running almost daily articles about this great scandal that has happened in the American Catholic Church. There was a very prominent cardinal who served in Washington, D.C. for many years, and it came out last month in June, on June 20th, I think, that he was being suspended from public ministry. He no longer could minister or act as a priest publicly. And the reason was because there were some allegations, very credible allegations, that came out against this cardinal. And then, one by one, day after day, week after week, more people started coming forward and speaking out, saying, this is what this man did to me. And so this past week then, uh, reading the New York Times, I've seen some of the stories that they've shared, these traumas these people have experienced. I think the words of Jeremiah, as we hear them today, kind of address this situation. Woe to the shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock, 
You have scattered my sheep. You have driven them away. You have not cared for them. But I will take care to punish your evil deeds. That when situations like this arise within the church, well, that individual one day will have to stand before God and give an account of their life. And so that's maybe what we cling to, especially in difficult, turbulent times that we might face. It's a very sad situation that we find ourselves in. But I think that it presents us an opportunity especially to pray. And maybe to pray in three different ways. The first really would be to pray for the church at large. Because what has happened as one minister, one bishop, one priest, whoever, has done these things, well, it hurts everybody. It hurts all of the clergy. It hurts all of the faithful. And really just to pray for the healing of the church. We know that when the scandal happened in the early 2000s, first in Boston and then trickling down into the local churches as allegations came out, that, well, we know that many people lost faith in those years. They stopped coming to Mass. They know, and maybe some of them, even to this day, maybe they're your family members who are just repulsed by this because the priest was supposed to be leading the people to the kingdom of heaven. They were supposed to be helping them, but yet they were hurting others. And because of that, we lost faith in them and in the church. And so to pray for healing within the church, that we might overcome this. But secondly, then, I think we also need to pray for healing for the particular individuals who are connected to it that there are individuals who have, whose lives have been scarred, they've been traumatized, they live their lives every day carrying these things. Maybe there are some people even in our area, maybe even in the church today, because I, I, I'm aware that one of the, the grave offenders in our diocese was just stationed just a little uh, ways from here. And so uh, it, it's something that really does hit close to home. And really to pray for healing, that those people will be able to reach out and find the help that they need from, from whoever it might be, and that they might come uh, to forgiveness and healing. I know our bishop, David Ricken, he's been doing good work, especially as he meets and does these prayer services of healing for victims of priestly abuse, and uh, just a good thing for us to continually pray for. I think, too, it's important for us to also pray for the perpetrator. And that might be difficult, but yet to, that they might come to a point of repentance, admission of guilt, that they might seek out the Lord and ask for forgiveness of the church, of God, of others that they have hurt. Really to pray for those people as well. In our gospel today, or well, it's a continuation from last week, Jesus sent out the disciples. They preached, they healed, and then they've come back. And as they've come back to Jesus, he tells, um, they all come back, the 12. And part of the 12 then would have been Judas. And I think we realize that Judas, who betrays the Lord, who hands him over to death, that for every Judas there is, there's also 11 other faithful apostles who remained close to the Lord, who continued his work. Maybe that's where we find our hope and all the good and holy priests that you have known who have staffed our parishes over the years. Jesus looked at the crowd and he said they are like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe sometimes because of what has happened, that's how we might feel. 
but we know that we aren't without a shepherd because as our responsorial psalm said today, the Lord is our shepherd. And so today we ask the Lord to continue to lead and to guide the church so that healing might happen in many and varied ways and that the good shepherd might lead us through these troubling times.